again and welcome to the latest episode of Curving Conversation, the penultimate episode for 2021. Now it's been another busy month at Curve with fabulous shows like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe with Sam Womack, the award-winning play Who Cares by Matt Woodhead and Sue Pollard in Harpy amongst others. Tickets are also selling like hotcakes for future made at Curve shows like Billy Elliot and beautiful The Carol King musical. So a reminder before we start to check out everything that's coming up at Curve in the latest brochure or go to curveonline.co.uk. Now in this episode, we're back in the main Curve rehearsal room to meet director Nikolai Foster and the cast of the Marvin Hamlish and Edward Kleban musical A Chorus Line, which is this Christmas's Made at Curve production. So hello and welcome to the rehearsal room. Now the process this show is going through mirrors that of its storyline. It's New York City in 1975. 18 performers are being put through their paces on an empty Broadway stage. It's the final gruelling recall audition for a brand new Broadway musical. Only eight will make the cut. And this is such a groundbreaking show from the 1970s featuring iconic songs one, I hope I get it, nothing, and the hit ballad, What I Did For Love. So to set the scene, let's chat first of all with Nikolai Foster. Nikolai, firstly, it's such a joy to be back in a rehearsal room, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible, and it's wonderful to have you with us today, Martin. Welcome to Curve, welcome to the rehearsals for A Chorus Line. So tell us a bit about the process then, because you've had some rehearsals already, but it's evolving daily, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, when you cast the show and when you design the show and you meet with the choreographer, in this case, the wonderful Ellen Kane and the orchestrator, David Trubsol, and uh, musical director Tamara, you know, before rehearsals, you devise, you develop, you construct the world of the play, the vision, the concept, however you sort of want to define it. But I guess it's only really when you get in the space with the actors and you really start creating and experimenting and failing when you realize what works and what doesn't yeah and in some ways a chorus line is a very contemporary play for today you know we've all been for a job interview we've all had dreams we've all had aspirations in life sometimes those things have been successful sometimes they've been challenges and everybody has a story and that's what happens in this audition everybody tells their story and those ordinary lives are made extraordinary in this play so in that sense it's a very relevant it's very contemporary the structure of it is like a sort of contemporary film it sort of cuts it goes to wide shot it moves very quickly we go inside people's imaginations to hear their internal thoughts but then in other ways the play occasionally shows its age and I think you were in for some of the rehearsal earlier, you know, when we were working on the number Dance 10 Looks 3, yep. where a young woman describes her journey into the theatre and the changes she felt she had to make to her physical appearance yep. in order to be accepted. Wholly unattractive and flat and naturally that really is a very interesting and sort of hot topic for us to look at today yeah. and it wouldn't be acceptable or theatrically right to sort of present I mean the whole thing is different from how it was done originally but to present that number Dance 10 Looks 3 as it was done originally mm. and so we're looking at it even though the play's set in the 70s but it's very much through the prism of now and yeah. how we as directors, actors, performers, theatre makers, how we navigate 
this sort of ever-changing landscape and the play allows us to do that. And you obviously had creative meetings to discuss all of this before you actually went into the casting room but you know once you start casting actors that brings another level of creativity doesn't it? Yeah totally and I think when you see people in the room the actors bringing those characters to life it's really exciting and you can really you're as a director you're inspired by what they're bringing and you know yesterday we were working on the song Nothing which the character Diana Morales sings about her time at drama school and you know it's a very famous song and it's a brilliant song but because of everything Lizzie Rose the actress who's playing the role was sort of bringing to it and all of the ideas it meant we sort of went in a very different direction potentially than one might have imagined you know pre-rehearsals and that's really exciting it's really scary but it's really exciting and it means that Yes, if you know a chorus line, you're, you're going to be delivered probably the most famous finale in musical theatre history. And a chorus line delivers that sort of ecstasy and exhilaration that only a musical can. You're going to get all of that, but you're also going to get a really different look at this play and really looking at it with fresh, brave eyes for the 21st century. And I think Michael Bennett, who created it originally... I know his direction, his choreography, his vision, his design has always been how you see a chorus line. Mm -hmm. But that to me is reductive of his work as an artist and boring. You know, we don't want to present that. Like a good Shakespeare play, you're looking at it through the eyes of the people who are working on the show today. And I'm sure... Michael Bennett would really be approving of that and would, you know, he might not like some of our choices, but I think generally the idea of looking at it afresh, he would be very supportive of because he was a great radical theatre maker, a great artist. There are lots of themes, lots of things to consider that are pertinent to everyday life, not just to the theatre. One of the things I think is identity. We may all look the same, but we're not all the same. We've all got our own identity. That doesn't mean we can't all work together to produce something that's rather special. The other thing that I would say about this is that it's a real insight, rather like this very building, into how theatre works, or at least worked in 1975. And that's a good thing as well, because entertainment these days is seen as a major sort of mass production exercise with TV, film and everything that goes with CGI and everything else like that. But, you know, we perhaps forget sometimes that everybody we're watching on the screen or on the stage has their own backstory and they are all people, human beings. Yeah, totally. And the complexity of all of those lives and in this play, all of those lives sort of coalescing and intersecting. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think what's sort of depressing in some ways, but, you know, (laughs) makes the play inspiring in others is that many of the ideas that were sort of being discussed in the early 70s when this play was being put together and many of the challenges, racism, uh, discrimination against gay people, Mm. women in society, those issues that were being discovered and argued and grappled with in the play in the 1970s are still relevant, sadly, today. And yes, things have moved on a little bit, but the play allows us to really look at some of those stories and empathise and sort of um, consider what it means to live in somebody else's shoes for a couple of hours. And I think that's really powerful. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't like to live in your shoes for a few hours. The amount of work you're putting in at the moment, you're a very busy man. I'll let you get back to the rehearsal room. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Martin. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so much. 
Now, I have to say that Curve is a real hive of activity today. There are several rehearsal rooms in use for a chorus line, and downstairs are graduation ceremonies taking place all day for students at De Montfort University. So I'm going to take you into another room now, where we'll find the musical supervisor, David Shrubsole. But before we do, let me just remind you that tickets are on sale now for a chorus line. It runs from Friday the 3rd of December through until New Year's Eve. Now then, David, this is such a fabulous piece, and obviously it was set in the mid-1970s, but its character stories and its themes are just as pertinent today. And I think that has a lot to do with the book by James Kirkwood and Nicholas Dante, the music of Marvin Hamlish, and the lyrics by Edward Cleburne. I think it is. I think it's about human individuals and how any of us fit into a pack and remain individual. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a philosophical question across all literature and film and politics and society. And I think in 2021, for Britain, how we remain individuals, how we have our own identities and how we fit into different groups day by day, uh, politically, artistically, socially, uh, I think that's what, although it's a theatrical setting, I think that's what speak, the piece speaks to uh, about being an individual but also being a group and how those two things uh, rub up against each other. And from the music point of view, Marvin Hamlish um, collaborated with a lot of different people, notably Carol Bayer-Sager, who he was in a relationship with for a while with They're Playing Our Song and so on. Uh, his film work, just an incredible composer. He is brilliant, and what's been joyous on this is to really take the orchestrations to a place of 1975, which I think has, not that it was not a unified score, but has unified it in ways by not having the 15, 16 players in the pit and and by following Broadway conventions of the day with sounds, by limiting it uh, for most of the show to the sound of 1975 and the band Chicago and kind of copying their lineup and marrying some of their grooves and sounds and basing a lot of the score in the sound of 1975 so that when we explode into the last song, into one, and we're in the theatre, we fully embrace uh, a big Broadway sound and there's a conceit in the show that the sound of the show completely changes at that moment. It was such a groundbreaking piece at the time. A real look behind the scenes, the stories behind the faces. You know, a lot of people might think the entertainment industry is a production line, not necessarily a chorus line. Um, but we forget, don't we, that each of those performers has their own story, their own vulnerability, uh, their own challenges in life. And that's what this is all about. And again, the Zach, I think the character sits on a knife edge between it being interested and exploring that and then ignoring that mm. so there's a really fine line that uh, over the last few years with Me Too movements and other questions about the appropriateness of what we do in arts just the whole um, the employment of intimacy officers now yeah. um, across theatre and across film where just even 10 years ago yeah. that role didn't exist so uh, in 2021 how we how we look after the individual and the individual identity and the person in the art that we make it speaks into the whole conversations we're having about who should play what roles yeah. and whether an actor's personal identity um, includes or excludes them from playing uh, a range of different parts you need somebody to dance for. 
On the last episode of Curving Conversation, we spoke about the brand new musical from Burnt Lemon Theatre called Tokyo Rose. Well, one of the performers from that show is appearing in a chorus line playing Judy Turner. It's Kanako Nakano. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I've got to say, I was blown away by Tokyo Rose. It's something that's obviously in constant development and changing all the time, but it was certainly well received here. You must be delighted. It's great to hear that because um, we were only here for like three days. Yeah. So it's great to hear you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was very challenging that tour, um, but it's a great story to tell. So I was very proud to be part of it. Uh, one of the highlights for me was the incredibly talented cast, oh. you know, doubling up, traveling up on characters sometimes, triple threat performances. I think that's a show that will go an awful long way. I know it's still being developed really isn't it but um, in terms of the demands for you as a performer it must have been really tough yes it was everybody was just so talented and they just pick up so quickly and very adaptable as well because um, even we open in London as well we changed quite a few bits here and then because we feel like oh this is better so let's just change it this way so just to you know being adaptable to just keep going like that and then keep on telling the story it's very challenging and demanding, but <laughs> everybody was just so amazing. And we we were a good team as well. Yeah. I love all the girls. They were just so amazing. They just wowed me all the time and I just wanted to keep going with them. Yeah, yeah. and, and Burnt Lemon Theatre is, is a company that will go from strength to strength as well. Now, this project for you is completely different because yes. <laughs> e- e- effectively, uh, Tokyo Rose was something that you saw from the very beginning that you developed over a period of time as a brand new show. A chorus line is obviously a contemporary classic. So you're coming to something that you know audiences may know already. Is that a different challenge? I guess it's a classic. Hmm. People knows you know how it looked like, or like in Leotard and all that stuff. But I just love the idea that they're just giving the space to just create something more truthful mm-hmm. and just like more you can connect to. And I just love like creating new things, that atmosphere. And the creative team is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just genius. I just can't believe like <laughs> in how they work in their head. But I trust them so much. And I think we all trust them. And we want to get to where they're aiming. And that's why we're like, okay, we'll just try and just keep going, keep aiming the same um, direction together. That's a very exciting thing for me right now. Well, the creative team have a reputation for breathing new life into stuff, mm. notably West Side Story, which um, both Nikolai and Ellen worked on before. Yes. This is so relatable because there's a real truth in all of the characters' stories. Tell mm. us a little bit about Judy. Judy, from the song, it's very difficult to tell you know, where she comes from, like uh, what sort of lifestyle she used to have. So I kind of started questioning each line. I like, got, why does she say this? Why does she say that? And it kind of ended up, actually, it's deeper than what I thought originally. And I love her character. <laughs> I think part of me is really in it as well. But my upbringing was totally different from hers. And I think there's, um, I don't want to say too much about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think she had a lot of struggle when she was a child. That's why there's a bit of mental block and that's why she goes everywhere and they come back to it. But now everybody start showing up themselves and like a real true side of themselves. Yeah. So maybe she might feel a bit stuck, feeling a bit uncomfortable, but 
I think she gets there some point when she dances. I'm still discovering right now, yeah. but it's been an amazing process, and I was like, I'm really enjoying creating this role. I think that's yeah. the one thing with all the characters; they're always more comfortable dancing, aren't they, uh, mm. than showing their own vulnerabilities. And every one of them has a story or something that they've had to overcome to get where they are. Mm. And I think that's a real insight to the industry, isn't it? Everybody's human being. It's just the real life and they're just telling each other's story and it's relatable to anybody listening to everybody's story as well it's like wow Coruscant is actually quite deep yeah. <laughs> deeper story than I expected before and it's such a joy to just discover that right now there's a little sort of moral for us all there as well isn't there that you know no matter how we may all look alike certainly mm. in a chorus line mm. when you've all got your costumes on at the end of the show you almost look identical mm. but you're not we're all individuals, aren't we? We're on the same stage, doing same steps, but we have different like flavor and color, and yeah. um, it's just. I think that's the beauty of it. And you're, that's, you're loving this, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm really loving. <laughs> yeah, I am loving this. <laughs> I just love the creative space and just discovering new things, and then it really excites me all the new ideas and seeing different dancers, and. Oh, everyone's just so talented. I just can't believe my luck to be here, honestly. <laughs> well, listen, we're really looking forward to it. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. This morning in the main rehearsal room, Nikolai Foster and the team have been working with Chloe Saunders, who plays Val Clark. How are you, first of all, Chloe? And how are you enjoying your first time in Leicester? I'm good, thank you. I love it. Leicester's a lovely place and the theatre's great as well, so it's, it's I'm having a great time. So this is a fascinating musical because it is a contemporary classic. All of the characters have their own personal story to tell. Now tell us a bit about Val. She's very smart, but in her own way. So basically her story is that she's, um, she's a very talented, great dancer, and she moved to New York and was doing great in auditions but just wasn't getting the job and it turned out that it was just at the time the way of the musical theatre world it was very based on your looks mm. so she decided to because that wasn't in her favour she wasn't getting the jobs because she didn't look right she decided to change it for herself and get some plastic surgery done and she looked she changed the way she looked and so she could get the jobs and so she does it in a way where it's you're like in on it with the character so she's she's kind of she knows what um, the score is and she's like getting one up on them in a way. I mean, it says a lot about the industry at the time, but the key to all of this is the personal stories. And Val seems to be, you know, quite loud, upfront, a lot of foul language and mm. so on. But it hides a really vulnerable person underneath, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think she does put on a bit of a front, but she knows that front works, you know, so she get, she gets the job because of that front but I think deep down, she's from like a small town. She came to New York and she was quite young and, and naive mm. and it's changed her in a way that she she does like, but it's because of the pressures from the creatives in the industry. Now, watching the process this morning in the rehearsal room, it's a really organic, creative process, isn't it? With, you know, not just Nikolai, but choreographer, musical director mm. and the performers all having an input. And that's really fun to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Nikolai is brilliant and he, he lets you explore your own ideas, but gives you ideas that maybe like myself, I wouldn't have, have seen the text in that way. So, yeah, it's, just, it's an amazing opportunity and 
having a great time. <laughs> I can see that. It's going to be a great Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be so fab. It'd be amazing. Now, before we end this episode, in a moment's time, we're going to catch up with Adam Cooper. But it's always nice to welcome somebody back to Curb. It's a couple of years since West Side Story. If you saw that fabulous show, you'll remember Beth Hinton Lever, who is back in a chorus line playing B.B. Benzenheimer. How's it feel to be back, Beth, first of all? It feels so good. It feels like coming home. And especially as West Side Story was kind of the last show that personally I got to complete before, as you say, the pandemic hit. So it feels so right Mm -hmm. to be back, opening back up with a chorus line at the curve again. And I have missed Leicester. I've missed the vibe. I've missed going downstairs and everyone kind of knowing your name and knowing that you're here to do the job and talking to you about that. So it's so nice to be back in this community. Yeah. So what was your pandemic journey like for that 18 months or so with lockdowns we were you missing out on jobs yes um so i think with a lot of actors we all had quite a stop start year so I was very lucky that I was auditioning still and able to book jobs and then have those jobs fall through so it wasn't quite nothing but in ways it felt harder than that for me personally because it was the joy of getting something having that hope and then having that taken away but there were some really gorgeous um, contracts that I did manage to at least get started on so I managed to stick in the industry and then thankfully come back and be at this point now where we're back rehearsing and putting on entire shows again. I mean, in some ways, it's working with the same team like Nikolai, Ellen and so on. In others, it's completely different because your character in this couldn't be any further from anybody's at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. I think the way that I always, as an actor, so I was born without my lower right forearm. And I always say that any character I play is disabled because that is part of me and that comes on stage with me. So we can't ignore that. So BB and anybody's are linked by the fact that they were both disabled. But yes, I think personality wise, absolutely (laughs) the opposite ends of the spectrum. I love BB. I absolutely adore her. And I think Nikolai and I are finding this interesting language within BB within the show where when she's speaking outside of At the Ballet, she's kind of putting on this front and then in At the Ballet we really see her heart and she really bears her soul in that song which is quite different from any other BB and I think it's because she says the lyric different is nice but it sure isn't pretty and I've never met anyone who was different and for me that is about disability and about the fact that we aren't um there isn't parity in representation with disability in the industry. So for me, that's what that means. Whereas I don't think it's been played that way before. Bless her. (laughs) I've imbued her with a lot of feelings and a lot of emotion, but it feels like such a privilege to get to tell this story through BB and also without changing any words. It feels so correct that it is a disabled person in this role in the same way that with anybody's, the male members of the Jets called her a freak which is a slur against the disability community. So, um, yeah, it's kind of every time I work at Curve, it not only gives me this amazing opportunity to be on stage in this beautiful theatre in this amazing community, but also to find out so much more about myself and my place in this industry. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I guess just thank you, Team Curve. Much well, love. <laughs> I have to say, and you'll know this from West Side Story, that Nikolai and, and Ellen, the creatives mm. here on most shows, uh, have a reputation for breathing totally new life into classics. Mm. This is a contemporary classic. It's all about the truth of the characters, not the superficial uh, sort of nature of a chorus line with everybody mm-hmm. looking the same because they're not the same. Underneath that, you know, they're all totally different people. Mm-hmm. And you've done that in a different way with BB, mm-hmm. which I think is is not just groundbreaking, but really refreshing, isn't it? Well, thank you very much. I think with revivals as well, um, West Side Story and Chorus Line, both huge revivals in the UK, it's so important to make something of that and take the opportunity to be groundbreaking and change the narrative and see what agendas are kind of relevant to right now. So Chorus Line, after the year that our industry has had, feels so correct in a way to then come back with a show about us Mm. to show people just how much of us we put into this how this is it's a choice we make to do the job but it is something that is so much bigger than us and I think there's something amazing about not showing this shiny edifice and this facade that people think musical theatre is but showing this pure want and need as well as the dark sides of it, which is representation, which is drama school, which sometimes is a horrible experience, which is being called out, being corrected, having to always be on the marks. I think it's more interesting. And not only is it more interesting, it's more human to show the honesty of that. And I think what the team at Curve do so well is to bring together a bunch of humans that are kind of warriors in that sense, that have that bravery and that self-knowledge to explore that and to go wrong but proudly go wrong so that we can find what was interesting where was that kind of frisian and then take that and implant it in something so it's Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, I think there's a really nice moral there as well uh, for everybody in that. And and we see it with entertainment now that, you know, television, particularly 500 channels or whatever it is. And it's a production line of stuff Mm. where it's all superficial and theatre can look superficial to some people. But it's not because Mm. all of the humans who are involved in that creative process are vulnerable, you know, have their own issues in life and so on. Mm. But also it's a moral to us all that we may all look the same, but we're all individuals. We're all different. And Mm. we we need to celebrate that, don't we? We do, absolutely. That was a conversation I had um, a few months ago when I got offered this role because I knew iconically there were hats involved in the choreography. And I was so worried that I was going to be holding back the production by not being asked to do hatography on the right (laughs) or whatever it was. But as you say, it's been a very humbling process for me to in the room have to go oh sorry can we do that on the left and everyone to go of course and it was for me then to take that on and go I need to stop putting myself down and putting myself into that box of oh I really wish I could do that oh I really wish I could do all of these moves and accept that I'm in the cast they've chosen to have me in the cast and if we need to change something we change it and we move on and for me that's been such a kind of Uh, galvanizing realization in my career to kind of stop telling myself I shouldn't say things would be easier on the left so I'm really going to take a lot of what I've already learned from the show forwards Um, and I can't wait to see what else I learn I'm so looking forward to seeing you perform in this one thank you so much for talking to us thank you so much and I will just say it would be incredible if anyone that feels like 
they don't see themselves represented in the industry or they see themselves represented in me or any of our incredibly representative cast, know that that's not the industry not wanting you. That is a place for you to show us how much you can bring to the industry. I just think it's really important to say that we are not done with representation and we need to keep pushing and keep fighting so that we do have a fair, equitable and true representative industry because that's the one that I want to be part of. Well, my final guest is no stranger to Leicester either. The actor, choreographer, dancer and director, former principal of the Royal Ballet, Adam Cooper, plays the central character in A Chorus Line. All of the individual stories are tied together by the director, Zach, and Adam plays that character. Welcome back to Leicester, first of all. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think not only was your first ever musical theatre appearance in Leicester at the Haymarket and On Your Toes, but you also choreographed the very first show here, didn't you? I did. Uh, yes, my, uh, my relationship with Leicester goes back, I think, 20 years now. Yeah, I did my very first musical here with um, Paul Carrison, which I choreographed as well as starred in. And then Paul asked me to direct and choreograph the first uh, show at Curve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting now coming back as playing as the director choreographer of this of this show, and it's it's brilliant to be back. And it's amazing how things come full circle. Of course, with singing in the rain at the Haymarket Theatre, and more recently at Sadler's Wells. It is, and and uh, what was lovely about being asked to do this was to get the, the chance to come back here because it really feels like it was the birth of my career as a musical theatre performer and choreographer and director. So to actually be able to come back and play that part in this sort of iconic musical in a city that, that means a lot to me because it's given me that chance is, um, is brilliant and that's why it's, uh, I was so thrilled when Nikolai asked me. Now some people may have thought when you moved into musical theatre that it was totally new for you, everybody knew of course the Royal Ballet, you went to Arts Ed of course before then mm-hmm. so this is in your veins, this is in your blood isn't it and how is this compared to some of the other shows that you've done before? Yeah it's been in my blood since I was very little, I started off as a tap dancer um, and sang in choirs before I'd even done any ballet so yeah it it feels like coming home doing musical theatre for me this is a different challenge in a way because I mean normally when I do musicals I've got singing and dancing um, (laughs) to sort of rely on and and this part is is a purely acting role Mm. and that you know has its own challenges but um, I'm absolutely loving it and I'm absolutely loving being in this rehearsal room and watching Nikolai and Ellen at work because I mean they're absolutely brilliant and I think that what's exciting about this I mean I saw I saw the original way back uh, at Drury Lane I think and then I saw the recent production of it at the Palladium which was I don't know eight or nine years ago and it feels like this is a really revitalized version of the show and it feels fresh it feels exciting and it's it's brought new life into it and and that's been thrilling just to be able to to, to be here and watching it you know yeah everybody has the image um, mid 1970s um, leg warmers leotards headbands that sort of thing it's got a real heart though this hasn't it and and Zach's central to everything and you very often see actors 
play the role of Zach who don't necessarily have a, a full musical theatre background because as you said it's, it's a non-dancing role but mm-hmm. you can bring something different to the character because you've had that real insight haven't you? I have I've had the insight as a performer um, in musicals but also as a director and choreographer so I actually know the job <laughs> um, I know what it entails I know the audition process yeah so I can bring all of that to the table and, and that's I think interesting mm-hmm. for the, the part because as you say I think a lot of the time it's played by a a straight actor who hasn't necessarily been in musicals and seen what you know what it takes to put a musical on I mean it's the hard one of the hardest genres to actually put together and so to be able to bring all that to the part I think hopefully will 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 give it a you know a a brand new feel. I think in many ways we'd like to hope that things have moved on since the mid-1970s in the audition process for instance I mean it was a bit of a production line wasn't it (laughs) you know and that's one of the key themes of the show really isn't it you know once they all at the end get their their costumes on they all look the same don't they the truth of this is their own individual stories which Zach brings out of them yeah I mean I've never been in an audition process quite like you know a chorus <laughs> line I've I think I've only ever once done an audition on stage for for example but yeah the, the the heart of this story is the people and the life of a dancer and what that entails how hard it is to get there and then how hard it is to stay there and and I think that is true today as much as it was in the 70s I mean it's so relevant to the, to the you know it's a precarious life the life of a dancer or, or you know more generally a musical theatre performer because you're self-employed and, and what Covid certainly taught us was how precarious it was and, and it f- left I think a lot of people in the industry feeling vulnerable exposed and not knowing what the future held and and so to be able to do this at the end of it, I think, is, gives it an even bigger impact. You know, so much when we go to the theatre, we see the finished product and, and you expect perfection and you're not really interested in what it takes to get there. Whereas this really shows you yeah. the nuts and bolts of the industry and, and just how much people have to go through. And uh, hopefully it will give people an insight and an and appreciation of what we have to sort of go through as performers and sacrifices we've had to make and and hurdles you know that that we have in our lives i mean not all of us obviously have have um the sort of the terrible stories that there are within this show but um we've all had our own things to overcome definitely to get where we are well listen it's looking absolutely fabulous in the rehearsal room already we can't wait to see it when it opens adam welcome back to Leicester. thank you for talking to us thank you very much great to be here and i'm afraid that brings another episode to a close don't forget a chorus line opens on friday the 3rd of december and runs until new year's eve thank you once again for listening remember to subscribe through your favorite podcast app or go to curveonline.co.uk i hope you can join me next month when i'll be chatting to another star of the chorus line Carly Mercedes Dyer, who plays Cassie Ferguson. And we'll also be finding out how Curve is partnering with the organisation Charity Link to ensure a magical Christmas for Leicestershire families in need. There is so much coming up. Adam Kay with Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas, amongst others. And early next year, you can look forward to the Rocky Horror Show, Waitress, the Osmers Musical and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, amongst others. In the meantime, I'll be back next month with more Curving Conversation. Curving Conversation.